I'm Sai, and I'd like to invite you into the Library of Impossible Things. The library is a place where I collect items that Doctor Who fans love, and I collect their stories too. In today's episode, I'm very pleased to welcome someone who I've never spoken to before this evening, but know lots about and have heard many a time from his own podcast and his appearance on Hamster with a Blunt Penknife. Um, it's Mr. Jim Allenby. Hello, Jim. Hi, Sai. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Welcome to the library. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. So, I believe you have brought an object with you this evening that you want to talk about that symbolises your love of Doctor Who. Yes, I have. And um, the object that I brought, um, it well, I, I was thinking about this for a while and I kept coming back to this um, over and over again. There were other things that I considered, but... This object was the thing that I kept returning to, and it's uh, something that I, 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 it must have been bought by my dad for me back in 1989 when I was only seven years old. So I was born in 1982, and it's the 10th anniversary special issue of Doctor Who magazine. Oh, wow. Oh, yes. So 1979 to 1989. Um, so for the for the benefit of uh, of people listening because they can't see, it's kind of a it's a thicker thicker covered magazine and it's uh, it's got the the classic Tom Baker and the the grey Dalek on the front, which was a uh, basically a reproduction of the uh, original Doctor Who Weekly cover from issue one. Um, so it was it was 1989 and I, as I said, I was a seven years old, about seven years old when this came out. And I was, I didn't know a lot about Doctor Who, and I will get back to, to that uh, in a little while. But my dad had bought this for me, at least I believe it was my dad. And this, for many years, it's a little bit battered now, but for many years, it was my kind of this was kind of like my gateway into learning a little bit more about Doctor Who. So, but it's not just the the contents that that's inside. It's the it's even down to things like the the adverts that are inside the magazine as well. And I am a, a big one for nostalgia, especially when I watch Doctor Who. I'm I'm very much um, I'm very much like swimming in the past. So every time I look at this magazine, and I haven't looked at it for a long time, but it. In the last couple of weeks, I've been glancing at it and flicking through it. And this just takes me right back to being this kind of, you know, wide eyed, chubby little kid full of <laughs> full of wonder and reading more about about uh, this this show called Doctor Who. And it's got some it's got some interesting articles inside. It's got some there's some great artwork by it's uh, Dave Gibbons and Mick Austin, John Ridgway and Lee Sullivan inside and there's a lot of black and white pictures there's a lot of stuff in here that i didn't know about and there's pictures of uh is it absalom dark the dalek killer and and frobisher of course these images stayed with me as a as a child um there's there's photographs there's black and white photographs from the making of battlefield there's there's a fantastic write-up about the uh, the ultimate adventure and uh, and I was just fascinated by by that as a child because I, I never got to see that 
unfortunately. My friend did, and he got to meet uh, Colin Baker as well. But there's some amazing photos. And I would just spend my entire time looking at these different photographs. I don't know if you can see that, side, but... I can, uh, yeah. There's Colin Baker in the TARDIS with Zog. Yeah. (laughs) With Zog. Yeah, Zog. Mm -hmm. But then you get to things like... There's there's adverts inside it. So, for example, there's an advert for, for, for Daypol, um, for the Daypol toys, which I, I collected yeah. as a child, and um, the Sheffield Space Centre. Oh, um, yeah, which I used to frequent when I was at university in Sheffield. So wow. I know the Sheffield Space Centre. I knew of it from adverts in Doctor Who magazine. And on my first day when I was let loose, my first trip was to go and find where the Sheffield Space Centre was. <laughs> <laughs> my, my my friend uh, my friend's parents took uh, my friend and I to the Sheffield Space Center uh in the early 90s and um I think I bought the there was a, there was a Doctor Who cassette that was released around the time uh, with music on it and it had the, the the target book cover for Earthshock on the on the on the front and yeah. I think it was a I think it was music from some of the stories um and i uh, i i don't know what i was expecting i i was expecting some massive superstore and it wasn't but it was full of so many like so many things in there i just remember it being packed floor to ceiling with stuff everywhere mm. and just walking around trying to find the bits that i was interested in mm. I mean, I didn't know what to get. I was only a kid, so you know, it's like, what, what did you buy? What did you buy? But um, you know, and the, like, we've got adverts for the the video cassettes as well. Um, pounds ninety nine, and yeah, it's just it was. I would just read this over and over again, and other books which I've I've, I've got the side, but there's on the back of it, it's advertising other kind of books and tapes and things and there's a there's a cyberman book which i do have the one by david banks which uh, i nearly brought to put into the library mm-hmm. um and others which i've just never i've never even heard of um the archive tapes the early cybermen written read by david banks ah do you have an uh, audible account uh yes i do actually yes because they're all on audible Oh really? David oh, Banks. I've listened to this in the last week because <laughs> oh. I've never heard them, and I just found them by by chance on there. Just looked up Cybermen, David Banks, and there they were. Oh wow! I'm gonna have to uh, definitely have to giant, check them out yeah. mm-hmm. because yeah. And for me, it was just it was just a. See, there's even an advert for Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, in the back of it as well. So, <laughs> but every, you know, when I go back to it, it this was this was my like little doorway into the the, the bigger universe of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I mean, I started getting the Doctor Who magazine not long after this, but this was just a. Uh, there was so much in there, and I'm a very visual person as well. So I, I, the the you know, I loved looking at the, the photographs and some of the illustrations in in here um and now looking back at it it just takes me right back to being that little seven-year-old boy who wants to who wants to explore this show more and i think we all have an object that takes us back to being that seven-year-old boy who wants to explore the world more i have i certainly so seven when was I seven? Nineteen eighty-two, the year you were born. So <laughs> yeah, mine would have been the Doctor, the original Doctor Who program guide that year, or the early DWMs that I was getting. So yeah, I, I quite mm. understand 
So I very much remember getting the tenth anniversary special for of DWM because I bought that at my first big Doctor Who signing that I I was taken to in London and met Sylvester McCoy and oh, wow. Alistair Pearson and John Nathan Turner and Sophie Eldred and Marquez. So it was a quite it was an incredible day <laughs> that was. Wow, it was a very very long queue, <laughs> which turned <laughs> out lots of people I knew later in life were in the same queue at various stages. So oh, just wow. one of those seminal moments where if I'd spoken to someone in front of me, it might have turned out to be someone I knew later in life. You know, because <laughs> we're all interconnected like this. That's Doctor Who fandom. Yes, that's the, that's the glorious thing about being a Doctor Who fan. Everybody's connected some way. Yes. Well, I think we found out, well, I found out only today that you were a poster on Outpost Gallifrey when I was on Outpost Gallifrey and we probably interacted at some point there that I never would have known. No, no. Well, I... Username. (laughs) Well, I was was just sat there thinking about it and I thought, oh yeah, I used to be on Outpost Gallifrey, but I wasn't under... Jim Allenby. I was under Emirate Zaron, which is a it's a transformer, a uh, very obscure transformer. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's amazing how we're we're all connected some way. We are. Where did it all start for you, Jim? Where does your Doctor Who journey begin? Okay, well, I you I may mention my dad quite a lot. That's podcast. (laughs) Really, it it began with him. So he was, and I'll just give you a a brief idea. He was a nine-year-old boy when Doctor Who first started in 1963, and he used to tell me as a kid uh, the stories of him watching the first episode um, in a darkened room with the light streaming through from. what would have been my nana's kitchen while she made she made uh, the evening meal and he mm-hmm. would be sat cross-legged in front of the TV watching Doctor Who and he was absolutely captivated by it and he would he would tell me how, he would tell me about his stories of watching Marco Polo and oh, wow. the Daleks master plan and he would he would remember you know in great detail massive chunks from these stories so he would always tell me stories about how he remembered the 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 TARDIS wall with the condensation coming down it in Marco Polo and he'd seen that and so as I as I grew older and find out found out about these missing episodes I would be I would ask him to tell me more about them (laughs) whether or not his his memories is good these days I don't know um but it started with him so I was uh, I think I was probably maybe about five years old when maybe four or five years old my parents divorced and uh I don't remember a lot about about it at the time um I've uh, my most of my memories have been always of my parents being divorced so I would uh spend time at my dad's flat at a weekend and I would then be at home Monday to Friday with my mom and my my sister um but my earliest memory of Doctor Who, which I suppose you could say was before I became a fan, was watching one of the cliffhangers, and I can never remember which episode it is, but one of the cliffhangers for Time and the Rani. So I would have been five in 1987. And it's uh, it's the cliffhanger of Mel spinning in the Rani's bubble trap. Right, so episode one. Yeah. So that was my that was my first 
ever memory of Doctor Who. And I I believe we it, that, that would have been sat at home with my mum. So she must have had it on TV. We must have been watching it. I do remember always hearing the EastEnders theme tune as well. So I'm presuming at some point uh, that was on, whether it was before or after, I can't remember. Um, but so, yeah, that that kind of that stuck with me. Um, and and then my probably the next memory was probably Remembrance of the Daleks. And I remember seeing the uh, the Imperial Dalek going up the stairs from the basement. Um, at the end of episode one. And from that point on, I think it was probably on all the time. I don't think I would, I don't think I could say that I was a a viewer that would, would. I mean, I was what, five, six years old mm-hmm. at the time. So I can't say that I was, that I was avidly sitting down and watching it, but it was on in the background. Um, and and then I remember season 26 and survival and that being absolutely terrified when Ace turned around and had her cat eyes. Yeah. So that's, that's a very, that's a very clear memory for me, but it was really through um, staying with my dad at the weekend where I really got into the show. So I would have, I would have said, you know, 1989 is when I got this magazine. It's when I saw survival. And I think that's probably where it started for me. My dad was still interested in Doctor Who, and he decided he was going to buy the uh, VHS releases. And so the first one he got was uh, Death to the Daleks, and he got Day of the Daleks, and he got Doctor Who and the Daleks, and the the Pete's Cushing film, and Daleks yeah. Invasion Earth twenty one. So you can see a bit of a theme there. <laughs> yeah, there's there's something that connects all of those. It, it's difficult to work out what it is. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got no idea, no idea, <laughs> other than yeah, they've got Daleks in them. <laughs> um, so so we started. Um, he he would buy them, and I would watch them. It's why the da- one of the reasons why the Daleks are still my favourite villains or, or favourite aliens because of those early days of watching the VHS releases. And there's something even now when I look back when I look at those video covers, it just I just wish part of me wishes I had kept those videos because especially those early ones, the um the the uh the versions without the cliffhangers in because it just is such a nostalgic buzz for me when I see those images. And, you know, even down to, you know, I I remember going into WH Smith's and uh, going upstairs and seeing rows upon rows of, of videos. And there would be the, the, uh, the Daleks and the expedition cases uh, with a elastic band around them, keeping them together. (laughs) Yeah. So we, we did that and we, um, he would buy them regularly, so I was very, very lucky. And that went on for a few years. And then around about 19... Was it 1991, I think, the BBC Two repeated the original pilot episode. I think it was a... Was it a celebration of Lime Grove Studios, That's maybe? right, yeah. I think it was the August Bank holiday that mm, year. Yeah, and... My dad recorded that, so I would pl- I would play that to death as well, and it just that's really just where it started started for me. Um, it just started to kind of snowball from that point onwards. There is something about those early videos that I think fans of a certain age are hugely nostalgic about. It was our first gateway into 
old Doctor Who. Mm. So yeah, they're hugely important. And it's why it's why um, I see. I love Death to the Daleks, and I can see why people don't like it and why people don't think it's the it's a very good story. But I can't get past the fact that I was a seven year old boy who saw that in whenever it was 1989 and I I fell in love with that story and I can't see past that so it's one of my comfort stories it's one of those stories that I will always put on um I was just totally I was totally taken to to another world when I when I watched that Mm -hmm. and 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 as well with the videos I I even now and I may have spoken about on my own podcast when I watch the DVDs, it doesn't make sense that they're split into episodes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like people always complain about the one of the cliffhangers in Death to the Daleks uh, with the with the floor. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it for me, it wasn't a cliffhanger because there were no cliffhangers in no, Death to the Daleks. On, it? it yeah. was just another another point of jeopardy at that point. <laughs> yeah. So it's sometimes uh, you know I kind of wish. And I know we can't ask for everything, but sometimes I wish that the uh, the collection uh, Blu-ray sets would uh, would include the original uh, omnibus versions of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I I still have a bit. The Revenge of the Cybermen isn't a four part story; it's a one part ninety minute space adventure. Yes, exactly. <laughs> 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 and, and that's what it will always be because that's how I first experienced it. So yeah. it always feels wrong with it stopping every so often. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. It does. And for years, I, what I loved was I didn't know where the cliffhangers were. So when I saw them with cliffhangers, sometimes it would take me completely by surprise. Because, but that's not right. <laughs> that's not where it should be. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to. I used to um, play it play a little bit of a game when I used to watch them and think where, where, you know, guess the cliffhanger, where is the cliffhanger in this story? Um, but yeah, no, it was, and, and, and then I was lucky enough that my dad had a friend who, um, who also had UK gold in the early nineties. So he would record the, uh, he would record the episodes off UK gold. And even now I, I still remember where some of the advert breaks are in those <laughs> in those stories because they would show them in an omnibus format at the weekend and he would record that the omnibus version. Um, so that's really my collection of Doctor Who built up kind of like a, a, a jigsaw over over the you know the early 90s mm-hmm. combining it with UK gold recordings and uh, and obviously repeats on BBC. What, uh, BBC Two yeah. uh, in in was it ninety two? They did the repeat season, um, and uh, and yeah, uh, and the, the VHSs. So we kind of built between. Well, we, my dad built up this quite massive collection for me, which I, I've always been grateful for. Yeah, so you were really helped along the way, then. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, without without my dad, I don't think I would have um, I would have managed to have experienced as as much as what uh, as what, what I did in those days. So, what what were your favourite sort of as an sort of other than sort of the the omnibus editions of the those stories you've mentioned? Was there anything that really stood out sort of early on for you? It was always the black and white stories, always okay. the Hartnell and Troughton stories. I think there's something, there's something very romantic about black and white. There's something very mysterious about it. And I would sit in my dad's flat with the lights off and the TV on and just this small portable TV 
broadcasting these black and white images and it was so it was stories like the original dalek story um the mind robber after watching it on the repeat uh, in 92 uh and probably yeah death to the daleks day of the daleks the, mm-hmm. the cushing movies i absolutely adore um the time warrior that was another one that was out yeah. at the time um I would say they were my favourites. Uh, it's a shame, really, sometimes, because I often think I, I wish that some of the, say, season seventeen stories or uh, some of the, some of the less popular, <laughs> with air quotes, yep. <laughs> stories had been released earlier, because I would have loved to have seen them earlier and maybe made more of a connection with them, mm-hmm. because I'm not. I don't. I, I often, when I ever do, when I ever watch Doctor Who, I know which stories I've got an emotional connection to and which yeah. ones I haven't. So it alters the my perception of them when I watch them. So, uh, say something like Megloss, I didn't see it until I was probably nearly twenty years old, and I'm not keen on it. But I reckon no. if I'd have watched that as a as a seven year old kid, I would have loved that, and it would have become one of my all time favorite stories. I can tell you, having seen it as a five year old kid when it first went out. I adore it. So, yeah. And season seventeen was my my gateway into Doctor Who. So as a four year old, that was the perfect season to because it was quite safe. It was quite funny, but the scares were safe as well. Mm. So yeah, I think there definitely it was it was a source of annoyance to me growing up. <laughs> that was so poorly regarded and so ignored mm. for such a long time. Yeah, well, it's just, I suppose it's the same with you know my thoughts on Death to the Daleks. You know, I yeah. <laughs> I adore it. I adore it, and I I don't get angry because I don't get angry anymore about things. I'm, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm matured. <laughs> <laughs> but it does. It sometimes I do think I can't. No matter how much you hate the story, there's no way I can hate this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. That's that's the best way to be yes. is to find the positive in it all. Yeah, exactly. I'm all about the positive. <laughs> so other than, than the videos, which is obviously your gateway into Doctor Who, did you go sort of into the books and the magazines and and sort of the wider world of Doctor Who around then? Probably when I was uh, I was a little bit older. So when I was about 10, I, uh, I started getting the Doctor Who magazine. And I start I start getting it regularly around about 1992, and uh, my grandma would buy that for me. Actually, she'd have it d- delivered uh, to her to her door um, with her paper, and um, and I'd go around every well, I'd go around every Friday, but I'd I'd pop around there um, to collect it from her, and I'd be so excited, and I'd, I'd sit there in her living room reading it cover to cover. And uh, as far as the books are concerned, I didn't really get into the books. I got a few targets. My dad had bought The Chase, the target uh, novelization of The Chase by John Peel. But I wasn't a big reader as a kid. I didn't really collect books. I got, I remember seeing, was it Time Worm Genesis uh, in... um, WH Smiths maybe and I bought that with some pocket money but I didn't I, I didn't have a clue what I was reading and I think I only got <laughs> maybe I probably got 20 pages into mm-hmm. it. it it was too 
it was too hard for me to to get into yeah. and i did i my friend had lent me time worm revelation and i remember taking that to I was in my last year of primary school, so I would have been eleven. <laughs> I took that into school and started reading it out in front of in front of the class. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think the teacher was too impressed with <laughs> with it. <laughs> but again, it was it just it, it they felt too they felt too it, they felt that for an older older audience, yeah. which I think mm-hmm. they were. You know, yes. I think mm-hmm. the age of ten, it, I was too young for for the. Um, for the new Virgin New Adventures and the Missing Adventures, but the Target books, no, uh, you know, sadly, I did get Remembrance of the Daleks, and I read that, and I, I'd say that was probably the only one that I that I read cover to cover. Mm-hmm. Over the years, I collected them through various relatives seeing them in charity shops and yeah. uh, secondhand bookshops, and they they say, oh. Oh, Jim likes, uh, or, or James, as they all call me. Uh, J- James likes Doctor Who, Doctor Who books. I'll get him this, you know. So I did build up quite a nice little collection of targets, but they 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 kind of remained unread. Which oh, I'm 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 a little bit. I feel a little bit bad now because um, many many years later, I got rid of them all, apart from a handful of them. I gave yeah. them to a, a, an ex girlfriend's son, um, and actually, only just recently, I'd. Um, because I'm, I'm kind of still in contact with her. I asked her if he still had them because I wanted them back. <laughs> and she was like, she was like, it was 15 years ago, Jim. I can't, <laughs> I can't remember. He's definitely not got them now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've kind of tried to rectify that a little bit just recently. So I've been buying, buying some target books again off, uh, yeah. off eBay just to kind of build a little collection up again. Um, but it was mainly for me, it was Doctor Who magazine. That mm-hmm. was my, um, my kind of, way of exploring the Doctor Who world. And it was, I mean, I was never really into the comics, uh, comics within the magazine. It was more, I was more into the, the kind of the, the, um, the information that you would get from them. And I, I, there's certain features in those magazines that I used to I used to love reading. There was was there a feature called Collectors Corner or something like there that? Was, it was yeah, with all the all the merchandise. Yeah, and and stuff like on the shelf, and um, you know, obviously Gallifrey Guardian, and many years of reading Gallifrey Guardian, seeing that yeah, no Doctor Who's still not coming back. It's still not coming back. <laughs> so it was yeah, it was I, I read it for the the kind of the factual information that was in the magazine rather than the the fiction, um, which uh, again I kind of regret now as well, because uh, I, I missed out on all the Eighth Doctor comic strips mm-hmm. as well. Although I've still got two, three plastic boxes containers next to me right now, which has got a few hundred Doctor Who magazines in there, which uh, I'll probably never get around to rereading, but but they're there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a whole set, which recently the um, bookshelf fell apart. And scared oh. me to death in the night with with nearly six hundred copies of DWM crashing to the floor. Oh no, uh, that was that was a terrible night. Six hundred is a yeah. lot to come crashing to the floor. Yeah, the floor <laughs> shelves couldn't handle that weight anymore. <laughs> so, wow, there was a lot of tidying up to do the next day. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, how did it develop as you became? A teenager, and did you did you have a pause in your fandom, or did you carry on regardless? 
Well, I um, so as I came, I'd say about well, still when I was about ten years old, I had a couple of friends um, who were who were into Doctor Who as well. Well, I had one friend who was into Doctor Who. Uh, his name was Matthew, and we would play Doctor Who in the playground. And then I had another friend that came along. Uh, he was a new boy to the school called Alex, and he said to me, "Can I join?" your Doctor Who games? And I says, yeah, of course you can. <laughs> and uh, he said, oh, uh, he said, can I be the Doctor? I says, no, you can't be the Doctor. I'm the Doctor. Matthew's the companion. And then Alex says, why don't we just all be the Doctor? And I was like, oh, okay. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so we would spend um, the final year of primary school, we would spend as um, uh, doing playing these Doctor Who adventures, but we would play future incarnations. So oh, we would create our own incarnations of the Doctor um and and play as as the doctor um up until we we had to had to leave primary school and we had to move on to secondary school and we we all had to grow up a little bit so mm-hmm. unfortunately we had to um we had to abandon abandon our adventures um <laughs> but i would uh, i mean many years later i would come back to them um but i'll 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 talk about that as we as we go along yeah um but yeah so i i was um so I was then I was about I was about eleven years old, and I started to sort of explore fandom a little bit more. Um, I'd seen an advert in the newspaper or the local newspaper, or my mum had seen this advert. And she said, "Oh, there's this Doctor Who um, kind of showing happening at this uh, this this Doctor Who event happening." I was like, "Oh, right, okay." And I got in touch with the guy who was running it, and he said, "Oh yes, it's uh, it's free to enter. It's um it's a bit of an exhibition. Um, it's at this address." So myself and Alex um, and my dad went went to this big old house, which turned out to be, and it sounds so it sounds so bizarre. And I, I've I've told this story on the on a one of my episodes of of the podcast. It would turn out to be this guy's flat, and. <laughs> We walked into this flat, and nice, nice guy. So you know, yeah, there, there was, that's you know, good. <laughs> he was a nice guy. There was nothing weird going on there. Yeah. Um, we love, you know, we had my dad with me anyway. But we walked mm-hmm. into this guy's flat, and he had all this memorabilia. He was selling things, and um, the the local newspaper turned up and took photographs of us um, posing with. Um, him and his friend were running a Doctor Who fanzine, so I used to collect that for a little while yeah. um, into my teenage years. And uh, and then at the end of the day, we all went into <laughs> we all went into this guy's bedroom, and um... <laughs> this could have been very doggy. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been, yeah. There was me, Alex, my dad, the two friends um, who were running it, and a couple, two little old ladies. And we went into his bedroom. He pushed his bed out of the way and set up a portable TV. And we all sat and watched Ghost Light wow. in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So at that, at that point, I started to kind of explore fandom a little bit more and get involved, although not to a kind of massive extent because there's not I, I mean I'm from I'm from a town called Grimsby and there's not a lot going on in Grimsby with regards to Doctor Who yeah. unfortunately the the two the two gentlemen whose flat they had running the the Doctor Who thing they started to host exhibitions in uh, the library so we would go to the local library and we would meet other Doctor Who fans and we would then go to sci-fi 
markets that they had in our town hall, which these guys had organized as well. So it it started to kind of snowball a little bit where they were building up and building up. And um, and I think they they managed to get Sarah Sutton at one point to to come and 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 visit and uh, do a talk. And um, she was the first Doctor Who celebrity that I that I met. Um, And how was that? Um, I was very nervous. I think I was only about 13 and I was very, I was very, very nervous. But um, she, my dad actually video recorded the entire thing from the back of the, the back of the, yeah. ta- um, the back of the hall. Um, and uh, I was nervous. I got the Keeper of Track and uh, Target book signed by her. Unfortunately, that went out with the rest of them. Oh no! <laughs> I know. I thought I'd kept that, but I, uh, mm-hmm. but I hadn't clearly. And uh, yeah, that was so. That was a great time. So, so you know, myself and Alex were great mates. He was, you know, one of my best, my best friends. And then, of course, the TV movie came along, and everything was kind of building up and building up and building up. And I was so excited for it. And I watched it and I absolutely fell in love with Paul McGann. I fell in love with the with the story. And I remember going to school the next day. So I would have been 14, maybe 14 in 96. And I remember going to school the next day and reciting the entire plot to my non-Doctor Who friend who just kind of sat there and he was like, Right. Okay. Okay. And I was like, and then he did this, and then he did that, and then it, and we're going to get a series out of this, and it's all going to be fantastic. And obviously, that that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it must have been around about ninety seven where my interest started to wane a little bit, not to the extent that I ever kind of went away from the show, but. It, I was a big fan of Star Trek at the time, especially yeah. Deep Space Nine. It was I was massively into Deep Space Nine, especially around ninety six, ninety seven time. The, after the disappointment of the TV movie not becoming a TV series, I think I just drifted away slightly from the show, um, and it was it was only for a for a few years. I, you know, I mean, I'd I was still mildly interested and kept my eye on on it, but. I barely ever returned to watch any of the the VHSs that I, I still had. My dad had given them to me at that point, but you know, I'd I'd left secondary school and um, I'd kind of uh, drifted away from my friend Alex, and I'd started going to college, and different things take over in your life, and you just you kind of I kind of faded away a little bit from it, but it wasn't um, it wasn't a like it wasn't a complete break from the show. It, it, it never was. It was, it was something that I would still return to. Yeah, just a bit of a pause then. Hmm. Yeah, a pause, a pause. I mean, you know, probably at the time, I didn't think that I would ever get back into it in the massive way that I did get back into it. But, but I did. Yes. <laughs> so, what was it that brought you back then? I think it was I'd stopped collecting DWM at the time. Um, and I think it was when it was around about probably the year 2000 and it was, it was, and I noticed the, that this company called Big Finish were releasing Doctor Who audios. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was, uh, I just happened to walk into the, uh, one of our local sci-fi shop, which is still being run by 
the gentleman who started uh, those exhibitions many many years ago it's still it's still here it's still going and i'd been collecting the star trek fact file or something at the time so i'd walk i went into into his shop and um i i saw the fearmonger um up on the shelf and i was intrigued by it and um i asked him what it was all about and he explained uh, that big finish were doing doctor who audios so i i bought it and um took it home and i was absolutely captivated by it i was transported right back to to being a kid because i always say that sylvester was my doctor because he was around when i was really watching it uh, well not really watching it but when i was experiencing it for the first time yeah. so he was my doctor as a child he was also my doctor until the tv movie so it felt like he had been around for a while so sylvester was my doctor and and um Sophie was my my companion at the time, so that it was it was listening to those big finished audios that really drew me back in to the show. And through them, I started getting Doctor Who magazine again, and then I started exploring the Eighth Doctor adventure books as well. Not so much the the past Doctors, the past Doctor adventures. I was more interested in where the Eighth Doctor was going. So I'd started to collect them. Uh, I'd get the I'd get the big finish audios and the books ordered monthly from from the sci fi shop. Um, so I, and it just I started building up my collection again. Yeah. And of course, then I, I saw that there was this this new format called DVD. And I immediately said to myself, No, no, no! I've got them all on VHS. <laughs> There's absolutely no chance. I, I can't afford it. I'm not going to do it. And then I got one, and then I got another. And, another, and it just yeah. it just spiraled out. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, I did the same with DVD, and then the same. Oh no, I'm definitely not getting the collection sets on Blu-ray. Why am I? <laughs> of course, I was. <laughs> with regards to the collections, I'm still I'm still a, a tiny bit stubborn, but it's only it's only due to f- uh, financial reasons. Yeah. So originally, I didn't get the I didn't get the collections. Um, I cherry-picked my favourite seasons, but now I'm slowly buying the, the ones up that I've missed, so <laughs> yeah. it, I'm gradually it getting there, and it's yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's always the way with me, I will delay getting something until I really think it's time to get them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then go all out. <laughs> and then go all out, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> so you were obviously very excited when Paul McGann came back to for big finish then as well oh that was that was uh, that was amazing i mean i i would i would hound that poor guy in the in the uh in the sci-fi shop i would go in there is it out yet is it out yet is it out yes it's out way and i'd take it home and listen to it um but so many of those early big finish stories really give me that same kind of nostalgic buzz that I got from that I get from the TV show because you know I was what 18 I was in my early 20s when when they started coming out so there was a lot of different stuff going on in my life at at the time um so my my mum had remarried years ago but uh, I wasn't I didn't get on with my stepdad so I would spend a lot of time away from home and my dad had met somebody else so his flat was unoccupied at the weekend so I would spend my weekends in my dad's flat just by myself listening to big finish audios so a lot of those audios bring back those happy times of me just kind of escaping into these into this world 
away from my you know the trouble at home because my my stepdad wasn't wasn't particularly a nice guy so it was nice to get, get away and and escape to listen listen to these doctor who audios and the same with the books as well um but then also i um Around about the time that time, I um, I met a, a girl called Sarah who um, lived in Germany, and I started traveling to Germany every month to to visit her, and I would take Big Finish with me. Now she didn't listen to them, so she was not interested. <laughs> but I, I I quite clearly remember uh, I used to. I used to travel to Manchester Airport, and I would always have a Big Finish audio with me, and sometimes I would being a poor student, I'd get stranded and my, my plane would be delayed. I'd be stranded overnight in Manchester airport. I wouldn't have anywhere to go because I couldn't afford a hotel. I'd just have to wait for the train the next day. And I'd be listening to big Finnish audios in the dead of night sat in Manchester airport. Wow. So, uh, it, yeah, it was, uh, so when I listen to them now, those early ones, it really does bring me back to, uh, again, another, another happy time in my life, but mm-hmm. maybe not so happy with, you know, with regards to my stepdad and the troubles at home, but definitely makes me feel happy when I listen yeah. to them, you know, which is why, you know, and I'm, well, I'm not going to bang on about Big Finish, um, but, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, it, it, it's definitely better in the olden days. <laughs> That's what I will say. Well, yeah, I think one a month was, was, a, was much better because you had time to digest it before mm. the next one came out and time for it to really become something you got to know quite yeah. well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like you, I can clearly remember what street I was walking down when I listened to certain scenes from Project Twilight or uh-huh. I, I remember walking to work listening to Blood Tide um, or if anything, Storm Warning. I was sat on a train going to Germany in, you know, early 2001. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, you can kind of pinpoint the parts of your life just through Absolutely. audio yeah. stories. Yeah, I can remember walking down Oxford Street in London, listening to the Marion Conspiracy and it being too noisy outside and thinking, this is something quite special. And I think I just need to wait till I get home to enjoy this one. Mm. I'm not getting the best out of this one because it's quite talky. Yeah, I need yeah. to concentrate on this. Whereas yeah. a loud action, bang, um, the apocalypse element doing the same thing was exactly the right place to be doing that because it was busy and noisy and this yeah. was a noisy story. So yeah, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? What 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 they can, what they achieved back then. So. Yes. So I was with Sarah for a few years, and and I <laughs> introduced her dad to the series when it came back in 2005 oh, wow. okay so i don't know how i must have introduced it to sarah i think i think i'd recorded it oh no okay so um myself and sarah nearly split up uh, when doctor who came back because she was the, the weekend that rose was broadcast she was meant to come to to <laughs> to grimsby and we were going to watch doctor who together because i say oh this is a great show you know i've been a big fan of it and she was coming to grimsby and um she called me one night and said i'm not going to be able to come to grimsby that weekend i says why and she says because i've got tickets to see was it? Yeah, it might have been James Blunt, or it might have been. Uh, oh my goodness! Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> and I was like, "What?" And she's like, "Yeah, I've got, I've got tickets to 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 watch uh, whoever it was." 
I says, okay. And she says, I've got you one as well. And I was like, what, Doctor Who's starting this weekend? <laughs> I've been waiting years for this. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, I can I can come another time. She's, she was like, you know, just just get a ticket because the ticket, the plane tickets were so cheap to go to Germany at the time. And um, she said, just just come and we'll we'll go to we'll go to this gig. And I, and I just I just remember saying, I need time to think about this. I was I was so I was so such an emotional man in my early 20s. And um I remember her dad calling me and saying, Sarah's very upset because she thinks she's going to end the relationship over this TV show. And I just, I, I, I sat there and I thought, and I thought long and hard about it. I thought I, I genuinely can't split up with her because of Doctor Who. Is. <laughs> That's a very bad reason to split up with anyone. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I kind of, yeah, I saw sense and I, um, <laughs> I got my ticket to Germany and uh, and we went to watch uh, whoever it was, James Blunt or it might have been, actually no, I think it was Keen. I think it was the band Keen. Okay, I wasn't so, that's a bit better. That's well, fun. yeah. I mean, we we were actually big fans of Keen at the time, so mm-hmm. we um we we followed them around Germany for 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 some time when they whenever they played a gig over there. So yeah, I think it was Keen. Um, but um, I remember that night at the gig just thinking, what you know, what's everybody else experiencing at home? Mm-hmm. And you know it was, and and uh, it, my mum messaged me after after the gig, and she said, "Oh, Doctor Who was so good. Christopher Eccleston is fantastic. Billy Piper is amazing." And I just sat there, and thought, I just want to go home and watch oh, it. Oh, Jim! <laughs> and I'd, 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 I'd set my video recorder for it, so yeah. I taped it. My dad had um, taped it for me as well, and my mum had taped it. So everybody oh, wow. had made so sure were, they t- You were well looked after then. <laughs> yes, I was. Yeah, I, I, was, I was well cared for that weekend. And, um, and I think I got, back on, I got back on a Monday or a Tuesday, and, um, and I watched it. And, uh, and uh, was it not long after that that Rose was broadcast that Eccleston's departure had been announced? Yeah, I think it was, was the Monday or or something of that week that suddenly Don Remember fandom being on such a high and then it coming crashing down in the way mm. Doctor seen... Who's not allowed to have anything good for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> I seem I seem to remember because I wouldn't I, I I mean I must have had a phone that sort of connected to the internet, but it was very early early days for, for phones and internet in two thousand five. But I do seem to remember I think the moment whether I'm misremembering it or not, the moment I landed back in the UK was when I found out that Christopher Eccleston had quit. Oh, wow. So I was like, oh, great. So I go away for a weekend, miss his first episode, and by the time I get back to England, he's already quit. So, <laughs> so it's all your fault then, Jim. <laughs> it's all my fault, yeah. I should have just stayed stayed at home. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I think I introduced her to Doctor Who through my video recordings. I take them to Germany and watch them, and then I think she said to her dad, Let's watch it. So we, I, I brought. I think he watched recordings of them, and then I, the the entire family watched the Christmas Invasion after I recorded it on Christmas Day, and then went to Germany on Boxing Day, and we all sat down and watched um watched the Christmas Invasion oh, on Boxing Day. So it was really nice, yeah. And he, he he her dad really really got into got into the show as well. So I introduced Doctor Who to to the Germans. <laughs> wow, well done, you. That's that's a admirable 
So, would you have been on on forums and things around this time? Because this was the 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 big time of yeah. um, fandom online, really yeah. for the in a, in a big big way. Yeah, I I was. I uh, originally started on the BBC boards, and then I moved. Then I found um, Outpost Gallifrey, which I loved being on at the time. Um, I think it was a it was. And it was a nice forum. Uh, I think sometimes, I think it, you you always get your bad eggs wherever you go, don't you? Absolutely. So there was a, there was a few people few people on there that I, I sometimes used to infuriate me because I I used to write my own Doctor Who fan fiction, and um, I would have a guy on there who would take what I'd written rewrite it for me and say this is how it should be written wow yeah so so there there were certainly some bad eggs on Uh there but my experience of it was was it was it was a nice experience but I didn't delve too deeply into it either so I would comment and I would browse and I would I would read and I would occasionally comment on things and then and then kind of go off and do something else so I didn't spend a lot of time on there and I, I didn't, I didn't kind of really make any, any friendships through there. Okay. I don't think it was more. I, I lurked more than I, than I posted. But I did, mm-hmm. I did post a lot when I was doing my fan fiction because obviously I wanted to kind of get it out there a little bit. So, so yeah, it was. Um, but it was nice to have a, a kind of connection with other Doctor Who fans as well because before the internet came along for me it was just there was my friends Matthew and Alex and then there was that the small group of people that I knew through the the, running the 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 sci-fi exhibitions the Doctor Who exhibitions and which I didn't really know them personally really it was just a it was just a kind of an acquaintance so it was nice to know that there was this this bigger network of people out there um and of course, you you know you never you never imagine that you'll ever meet up with them or you know or it wasn't it wasn't something that I was bothered about doing at the time. Okay. I think my 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 thoughts on that have changed a lot now because I was I'm I'm absolutely desperate to 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 meet all of you lovely people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, you know th- th- things things are things are different these days. But I think back then it was for me it was just it was I never made any personal connections through through mm-hmm. it sadly yeah i i mean i was lucky i i met people off the forum a fortnight after i joined <laughs> so <laughs> then it became a really personal thing which is very unexpected for me at the time so mm. it can go either way i i i know this i've seen other people who were very reticent to, to actually put their head up above the parapet and say, oh, yeah, hang on, I'd, I'd happily meet people. So, yeah, yeah. I, I quite understand. But again, it kind of goes yeah. with my, I, you know, I'm kind of, I'm uh, not on social, but I'm, I, I get a lot, I, I get social anxiety. So okay. I'm, I'm very, I'm very nervous about meeting people. I'm nervous mm-hmm. about meeting new people. So I never went out of my way to kind of make these, these connections because I didn't feel like I'd be able to cope cope with it and I'm, I'm a lot better now because you know clearly I, you know I do podcasts and you know <laughs> which is something I wouldn't have done back then I probably wouldn't have done anything anything like this um but it was yeah it was it was always you know well 
he's kind of oh nobody really wants to, nobody wants to really know me you know and mm-hmm. I, I would I would just sort of just distance myself from it all. Tell me a bit about your writing because you mentioned your fanfic. Oh, where did that come from? <laughs> okay, so so my fan so I started writing my my fan fiction in two thousand and three, and it was based on ideas that. Um, we had in the playground when we were kids. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, you did say you would come back to this story. Yeah. 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 So it was called, um, it, at the time I called it the ninth doctor adventures. So I thought I'm going to, I'm going to create a, a future incarnation of the doctor. It's going to be set after the eighth doctor. And I always wanted the doctor to be played by, um, Richard O'Brien, the presenter okay. of the crystal yeah. maze. Mm-hmm. So he was my doctor as a kid when I, I would play Richard O'Brien, basically playing the Doctor. And so I started writing these stories, um, which were based on on that idea. And uh, I probably got, I would post them. I had a website, which I used to publish them on. And um, I, I started, I continued, I did them for about two years, uh, up until about, about 2005, when Doctor Who came back on TV. And all of a sudden I was like, oh no, you know, we've got a ninth Doctor now. I'm not interested in, yeah. in all of this. But uh, many years later, I um, picked it up again. I think it was about 2012. And I took the idea again and rewrote some of those early stories and started publishing them on a blog. So I did a, um, I did a series with Richard O'Brien and it was called Doctor Who Dark Paths, and it's still online. And it was about a unspecified future incarnation of the Doctor. Um, and it was oh, I can't remember how many how many I wrote. Um, most of them were probably about thirty to forty thousand words long, I think. And I I wrote them for about two years, and then I regenerated him into a. Uh, a, a doctor played played by James McAvoy because okay. I was I, I I wanted a young I wanted a younger doctor at that point because Matt Smith was on the TV I thought I yeah. want a young doctor mm-hmm. so um and then the series got, be, became a series called Doctor Who Resurrection and again that followed a storyline and um and then developed into a, another series with. Uh, at the time, we had Capaldi, so I thought I want an older Doctor. So, <laughs> so but I swayed by these yeah. ideas. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. So, so I I, I cast with air quotes uh, Sean Pertwee as the Doctor, oh, okay. and that was called Doctor Who um, Elysium. But I never finished the Elysium series. Um, they are all still online, and I have often thought about going back to them and uh, kind of giving them a bit of a, a, a once over and a spring clean and. And kind of relaunching them a little bit and finishing it off, finishing them off. But it was it was through writing the fan fiction that that I kind of wanted to write my own original stuff. So I've uh, I've been banging on about it for about three years. But I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to write uh, an original novel and original novellas and uh, and stuff. But it's from writing Doctor Who fan fiction that I've kind of got to got to that stage but it was it was writing and it's funny isn't it how you can kind of get so absorbed into something because I don't I don't think I had many readers but it was one of like the happiest times of my life writing for these characters that when I stopped writing for them I was really sad that Mm -hmm. that uh, that I you know because I wanted to do something original so I knew I had to 
spend my time doing that so I had to abandon these storylines so it was it was kind of it was kind of sad really but I really really enjoyed writing I think I had a couple of readers and I got feedback on Gallifrey Base because I would always update a, po- a thread on Gallifrey Base when they'd been released and it would be like a chapter a week that I'd put out there so yeah it's something I'm definitely thinking of going back to when I can find the time and uh, giving them a bit of a spring clean and and seeing if I can kind of relaunch them and see if anyone's interested in starting from the beginning and and reading them mm-hmm. but um no it was uh, it was nice that I was able to take an idea that I had as a child or an idea that me and my friends had as as children and actually bring those ideas to the page or not to the page yeah. but to a blog where people can read those stories. That's incredible, isn't it? And it's it's a testament, I think, to something in Doctor Who that brings out some kind of creativity and wanting to, to do your own version of it. Because I'm not sure mm. every fandom has this has this this same creative streak within it. Mm. I mean for me, I was never I was never interested in writing for past doctors, um, I always wanted to do something of my own, even though it was using the doctor, who is obviously not my own original character. Yeah. But I wanted to do something which was which was not tied into continuity, or it, I wanted it to be something fresh that was completely further on from from Doctor Who continuity. So I didn't have to worry about what was. You know, I didn't have to fit it into any boxes or anything. I wanted an ongoing narrative. Um, so, it, yeah, it was it was something that I really enjoyed doing. Um, unfortunately, I did write a story called <laughs> called the First Time Lord, which when <laughs> when Chris Chibnall did the Timeless Children, I kind of sat back and thought oh my god has this erased my story from time <laughs> which is ridiculous when you think about it it's just fan fiction but this is all our own work <laughs> we do we do and i sat there for ages thinking right how am i going to be able to make my story work now and then in the end i was just like don't worry about it don't worry about it jim there's worse things going on in the world than making worrying about making making this fit me and and my friends, we did an audio series of Doctor Who and we would write our stories. And we were absolutely convinced that someone on the Big Finish writing staff was listening to our stories because things that were very similar to what we'd done would suddenly mysteriously appear mm. a little while after we'd done them and or or a, a, a silly throwaway line that we'd done suddenly became a huge adventure. And it was just like... How is this happening? Yeah. This is really bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> this just obviously we there are only so many ideas and mm. and you know, but it was just like they've done it again. What yeah. they, what's going on? <laughs> well well I had a similar I had a similar experience um with uh with what happened in The Power of the Doctor because probably around about 2014 I wrote um a story where which explored where the the doctor's incarnations went to when the doctor regenerated mm-hmm. and um it started out with them finding uh the doctor and his companions finding a kind of like a uh almost like a, a husk uh or a shell of the eighth doctor 
washed up on a beach. So they 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 explored where he he'd come from, and they found out that there was a there was a realm where the incarnations of the Doctor went to after the Doctor died, and um, the Doctor went there and he met other of his, his previous incarnations yeah. that had continue to grow and continue to age so (laughs) very familiar (laughs) so eight years later when the power of the doctor came along i was like "Mm, chibnall probably wasn't reading my my fan fiction (laughs) but but when when we when we saw the the uh the stuff with the um the guardians on the edge i was like hmm Mm. (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure i've written this (laughs) (laughs) of course of course Chris is probably a you know he's a thousand times better writer than than myself. So <laughs> bring us up to date, Jim. How how did you start podcasting? When I was when I was a teenager, I always wanted to be on the radio, and um, I always wanted to do. But I wasn't interested in being like a a DJ or kind of um, you know presenting between music. Yeah. I I used to listen to a lot of talk radio back in the day and I always wanted to do something like that where I would get on and chat to people and we you know discuss just varying different topics and I never went any further with with um with radio I I I learned learned I I studied radio um at uh, university but I just didn't I didn't go any further with it so that was always on on the back of my mind and and then I started listening to podcasts in in a probably about well, 2020, when I think a lot of people started to to, to listen to podcasts, mm-hmm. and um, I happened to to listen to Joe's hamster with a blunt penknife, uh, and I'd sit there and I think, could I, could I, would I be good enough to go on one of these? And I I thought about it for months and months, and then I, I finally you know plucked up the courage to ask Joe, and and it kind of got to it got to kind of a message like. Yeah, I I'd love to come on one day, and I didn't I didn't go any further than that. And then I think Joe possibly messaged me then, and a little bit later on, and said, "Do you want to be on it?" And I mm-hmm. spoke to my um, girlfriend because um, in, in the intervening years, I'd 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 married and um, um, we'd adopted my son, and uh, and then m- me and my wife separated, and um, and then I met a. a, a a girlfriend, um, Ange, and uh, she said, "Look, just go for it." And I said, "Yeah, but I don't know if I'd be good. I don't know if I'd be able to do this. I'm not sure if I've got enough to say because I'm not a, I'm not a very, I'm not a very big person for details. I'm, I'm more of the feelings of things, you know, yeah. rather than I couldn't tell you a lot about direction or." you know, I, I don't, my memory's terrible as it is. So I, I was worried that I wouldn't be able to actually hold a discussion about Doctor Who because I wouldn't, I wouldn't know how to discuss all the little details about episodes, but listening to Joe's podcast, it was, it sounded like the perfect vehicle to get into podcasting because it was just two friends watching a Doctor Who story, having a laugh, discussing yeah. the story and just talking about what's on screen in front of you. So that was kind of like the, the, the perfect the perfect start for me. And after I'd done it for the first time, I was just like, I really, really like this. And for a long time, I wanted to do a podcast about 
uh, folklore and horror and like local legends and things like that. And my friend Aaron and myself would would sit there kind of pondering how we could do this. Uh, and it never kind of it never kind of came to anything. We did end up doing a YouTube channel, which only lasted about four episodes. It was called Points of Who, which was a bit of a, a, a satire on uh, Doctor Who fandom, where we would uh, he would Aaron would animate uh, characters, and I would <laughs> read out various comments about Doctor Who stories, which we considered extreme comments, and yeah. we would put I, I we would put my voice to the animations, and so we did that for a while, but it still didn't kind of kind of fulfill what I really wanted to do, and then I realised I didn't really know a lot about folklore and uh and i didn't really i didn't really even though i'm interested in it and i'm i like reading about it and i like writing you know i like writing horror and ghost stories and things like that i didn't really know enough about it and i didn't have time to research so and then i just thought well what do i know a lot about in my life and it was like <laughs> well doctor who so why not so i just randomly put it out there on twitter one day and uh thinking, you know, I might not get anybody interested in, in doing this, but uh, if at the very least I could maybe start up something where I'm talking by myself. Um, and then I suddenly got a lot of, a lot of interest in joining me on doing my own podcast. So that's really where it started for me. It just seemed like the natural thing for me to do to just talk about Doctor Who and talk to fans about what they love about the show, because I'm not a... I'm not a negative fan. I'm not, um, and it's, you know, it's obviously fine to have your opinions on something, um, but there's there's that extreme level of fandom as well, where the, it just it, that's just not me. And I will always try and find something to love in a story, and I will always try and enjoy something. And it's yeah, absolutely, come come on and talk about what you don't love as well. It's that's that's not a problem at all. Because you know there's constructive criticism and there's uh, absolutely yes. not constructive criticism. So, so yeah, I just kind of wanted to really just bring people on to talk about the things that they love about the show, the things that they enjoy, and the things that make them feel good about the show as well. And it just seemed like a natural thing for me to do to start my own podcast. And it's going very well from the looks of it. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I've I've had a few guests on there, and um, I'm uh, I'm lining up a, a, a another lot of guests as well, and um, it does it does take up a quite a bit of time, but it's enjoyable time because I'm you know having to edit and uh, watch episodes and read books and read comics and listen to audios and kind of delve back into things that I haven't looked at for for a while, but it's um, I've probably consumed more doctor who in the last two or three months than i've <laughs> ever done in my life um so it's it's definitely doctor who is there and it's massive in my life at the moment yeah. which is it's 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 great i mean i've just you know I, i've just introduced doctor who to to my girlfriend um who has never she, she knows of david Tennant, but she'd never seen doctor who before and um she she i mean she was quite clear she wanted to start with the newer stuff so i was like yeah, yeah. okay we'll we'll, we'll start enough. with eccleston mm -hmm. and um we've been watching that slowly over the last year and we uh, we actually finished uh the end of time part 2 
10 minutes before midnight on New Year's Eve. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. So we, we were like, are we going to get this in before, before it strikes midnight? <laughs> but we did. And she's, you know, she's, um, she, she's interested. I don't think I'll ever make her into a fan, but, um, no. she, she enjoys it. And, and she, you know, she absolutely loves that, that I'm so taken by, by this silly little show, you know? <laughs> That's good. Having a partner who is yeah who is accepting of it is a very useful thing. <laughs> well, we're, we're, I'm 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 visiting her this uh, this Friday actually. I'm going for this weekend, and uh, we're a, we're about to start the Matt Smith era. Ooh, so lovely. I am okay. really intrigued as to know what she's going to because I keep bigging up the eleventh hour. And I'm like, oh no, I love it. It's one of my favorite openers. I mean, I've got mixed feelings about the the Moffat era as it is, mm-hmm. you know, but um, what I, an I, opening! Oh, such a great opener, and she she's she's a little bit. I don't know if I like him or not. You know, she liked Tennant. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, you. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. So, yeah, I'm really intrigued to know what she. However many episodes we get through this weekend to see what she mm-hmm. thinks thinks to Matt Smith. Excellent. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I just want to say um, how much I enjoyed your episode of Hamster on um, Can You Hear Me, which I thought was a really great piece of podcasting and oh, very personal and but very moving and very honest as well which i thought was was really i that was brave doing doing that and opening up like that mm, it's yeah it's uh, it's something that um you know i've been, i've been through a lot of a lot of stuff a lot of kind of world moving things within the last well ever since we adopted my son really so um and i've always spoken about how how much I love the Jodie Whittaker era because Jodie, I say Jodie was there for me, but the 13th Doctor was yeah. there for me and he, it, her era was there for me throughout some really bad, bad times. Oh, no, not necessarily bad times, but, you know, it was, it. my life changed when we adopted Jacob. So it was a different, it was, you know, I suddenly become a father. Um, and, but, but the 13th Doctor was there. She was his first Doctor and um and then the pandemic happened and the doctor was there the 13th doctor was there break taking us through that and then i had a breakdown from work and the 13th doctor was there she was still there and then uh, my marriage ended and the 13th doctor was there and we had the flux season and it always felt like she was no matter no matter how difficult things were and how we however However difficult life got, it always felt like she was this like bright beacon of hope mm-hmm. um, on on the horizon that I could always reach for. So, yeah, it was it was a, an, an honor being able to go and talk about. Can you hear me? Because it's not a, it wasn't an easy one to record. Actually, I mean, I, I loved recording it, but we had to delve into quite a lot of uh, a lot of um, horrible comments as well on Twitter. Which yeah, you know, of course there were. were- were really mean stuff on there, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was some nasty stuff, and that <laughs> at the time that was giving me like a bit, a bit of anxiety as well. I was like, "Oh my god, of course, oh my god!" Yeah, mm-hmm. I, and, and I said to Joe, "Are we going to read all of these out?" And Joe was like, "We should, we should, we should read out the conflicting opinions and discuss, what, you know, what's right about mm-hmm. this and what's, what's what's not right about this." Which I'm glad we did because I think sometimes we need to we need to bring bring up these people who who yeah. become so toxic towards fandom, towards fans and to, towards the show, you know, and everybody is entitled to an opinion, but there's ways of doing it. 
Absolutely. And some of those were not good ways of expressing anything at all. No, not at all. Not at all. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I really enjoyed doing that episode and I'm, I'm quite proud of, proud of that one. As you should be. Thank you. So I think it's sort of safe to say, like I say to everyone who's done this, that Doctor Who is just sort of woven into the fabric of your life, really. Yeah, it's always been there. It's always been there, no matter what. There's not a, there's not a day goes by when I don't think about something relating to Doctor Who, whether that's just just scrolling through Twitter and seeing a seeing a post on there, or, or, you know, just thinking about who I need to message about doing the podcast with, and it's always there. It's always there, and uh, I, I don't think there's. Well, I know there is no other. There is no other show. There is no other. I mean, I'm in. I'm into a lot of different, uh, different TV shows and uh, and things, but it's never, nothing else has ever touched what Doctor Who can do mm-hmm. to me. So it, it will always be there. I think always. Oh, I think that is a brilliant place to finish. <laughs> so thank you so much, Jim. I will pop your copy of DWM's tenth anniversary special very carefully into the library. Um, this will be next to. The entire ham fam, so I think it will be passed <laughs> around because there's very little reading material in there yet. So everyone well, it, else will be reading that. So it cost two pound fifty in uh, exactly. nineteen eighty nine. So that's two pound fifty each from each ham fam Absolutely. member. And... <laughs> you quids in now. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for joining me, and thank you everyone for listening today and listening to Jim's story. Jim's podcast is called What's in the Box. Mm-hmm. That's right. And um, you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you'll join us next time when someone else will be coming to the library and bringing their object and their story. So thank you very much, Jim. And thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Thank you for inviting me, Simon. It's a pleasure. <laughs>